We are the driveway athletes. I'm Jack, joined tonight by Ed. And Ed, we're you know rolling along here in the fantasy football off season. So mm-hmm. it's going to take what I would call the C story, um, the back seat to just other conversations. Because in terms of fantasy, there's not really all that much to discuss, except for maybe getting into stuff that's a little drier. Yeah, I mean, we'll 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 break down, we'll digest some some things that happened this year but um like you said it's probably at this point not enough content um to fill fill a whole show you know no and i think that, like one thing you and i try to do is not bring like heavy data right content and the off season is kind of all that's all you've got you know so i don't want to come on and and rip off an hour's worth of statistics, you know, like, um, so, uh, we will talk those things. I think that w- what we're planning on next week is starting doing the top five finishes for each position and talk about what those actually look like, but they're not going to eat up an entire hour because I don't know that that's necessarily that entertaining. No. And, and you know, people are, unless you're in like a fantasy or a playoff fantasy team then like you're probably over it you know yeah and honestly you know, like i have a fantasy a playoff fantasy league that i'm doing and to be honest with you unless you have one of those guys that's like capable of like blowing up and that's still alive things thin out fast you know like play teams are done if you had a pl- team player on a team that's done a game what what else yeah. is there to talk about? You know, like so. Even then, like once that draft is over, you're not really doing much. You're not doing any management, and basically, you're just at the mercy of. Um, do you have some players on Super Bowl teams? And if not, do you have a player that got you like a forty point week? You know, like what else? And can then, you do? like if you think about it too, like. A really good player that is on a really good team got a buy, so in theory they have less games to play too. So, correct, yeah. correct. Um, uh, <clears throat> but who you know who knows how it's going to turn out. So even if even if we felt as though our audience was heavy into it, uh, to be honest with you, the content there isn't that great either. You know, like um, so. Plus, it's the off season. We just went through a long season, you know, an extra game. Um, people get a little bit worn out, mm-hmm. uh, and then to come back when people are kind of your your, you know, I think we're thirty two Sundays away from maybe our draft. It's a long way away to start talking, you know, start thinking about, you know, um, next year as well as retaining that information. So some of when we're recording that fantasy stuff is for posterity, you know, for people to pick back up later in the off season anyway, you know, that's why Mm -hmm. I'm also not in a rush. Right. Um, How about that amazing performance by Embiid last night? I mean, there's a couple things. One is he drops 50 in 27 minutes. It's ridiculous. I think he he was like 17 for, or yeah, 17 for 23, which is ridiculous. Like 12 boards in that 27 minutes. Three blocks. Um, yeah, three blocks. Uh, 
gets his defender in foul trouble pretty early. Um, I mean, it's to me, I he's so fun to watch. Just, just a real treat. So I, fun. I don't like it's the 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 talent is just unreal man unreal and some of it like you'll always hear me say like i believe Embiid is better than Jokic, but at the same time um what a treat like how lucky are we that we get to see seven footers in those mv mvp discussions and they're not just lumbering you know players they're as skilled as any guard right um, both both guys i mean both guys. I, I would categorize Embiid as like a shooting guard in a set in a seven foot body that can defend. And Jokic is almost like a point guard. Oh yeah. In like, a center's body. Yeah. You know, like just how amazing like the debates are what they are and they they can be fun. You shouldn't take it too serious. But really like to live at a time where you're seeing two big men do this, like just enjoy it because you don't know how long it's gonna last. Yeah. Uh, now you had meant I didn't hear the interview with Daryl Morey today. Like what? I'm sure they talked about Ben Simmons, right? Yeah. So he basically said like if one of the things he said was like if you were to poll like the top players in the league, most of them would say that they'd want to play with Joel Embiid the way Embiid's playing. So mm-hmm. he doesn't quite understand why he's got a player that doesn't want to, you know, um, that's, that's one thing he said. Um, to be honest with you, I went back and read some of like the doc rivers quotes and Embiid's quotes. They were pretty vanilla for the way that they are being, um, held out to be by Ben Simmons camp, I guess, or people who are apologizing for him. Um, and then, like, there was that weird quote that was, like, he kind of wishes that he went to a team that didn't have expectations right away so his game could have developed and and B clogs the paint, you know, like, just, like, some weird things that, you know, I don't know if it's him, I don't know if it's, it's his management, but they're weird quotes uh-huh. to be attributed to somebody. Like, and B, I don't know where else you're going to get a seven-foot player who plays most of his point time at the three-point line. You know what center in the league are going to play with? That's going to be yeah. I mean, Simmons actually is a guard. I mean, he shouldn't be clogging the paint. Like he, sh- you should be able to shoot. I don't even right? care like, if he. I don't even care if his shot is bad. You should at least be willing to shoot. Like that's in the grand scheme of things, it's like the just the unwillingness to do it. Nobody mm-hmm. would care if his shot looked like shit if he took it. No, nobody will care. Um, I don't think I don't think Giannis has the prettiest shot. And this look, Giannis, no, not at all. But but he's a great player. This isn't me saying right. like Giannis stinks. I, I would never say that. I just don't think if you look at his form, you know, it doesn't look like Durant or no, Se- or, or Steph right. Curry. You know, like, but he shoots. It doesn't matter what it looks like. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He makes you defend him. That, that's, that's it. That's why he's an MVP. You know? right. <laughs> like, that's why he's an MVP. Um, 
And so uh, there were a lot of things where, um, like one of the things Maury said was like, look, I understand that the people in the city are frustrated. They want me to get somebody um, while, while Joel's in his prime. And um, I get it. Um, but at the same time, I have to make sure I make the right move because if I make a mistake, it might not just be one year like Ben sitting out for one year. It might be a multi-year mistake, you mm-hmm. know. So I might not just waste one year of Joel. I might waste more than that, you know. So I have to make sure I make the right move, um, which at the end of the day I get. Um, but also at the end of the day, something needs to be done, you know, like um, – there were rumors of this King's trade. He basically said that the rumors were bullshit. Um, with I feel the like King's he trade. has to say that. Right? I know. Like, yeah, yeah, but even so, he's like, one day I'm trying to dispel rumors from a, an, an outlet called Ballsack Media. Um, he's like, I know everybody's very just wants something to be done. They're looking for this news that we're working on it. He's like, but... Um, you know, nothing against ball sack media, but you know, um, mm-hmm. everybody's hungry. They'll listen to such a thing. Right. You know? Um, that being said, I'll be honest with you. I, I think that they're going to ride this out for the year and I think they're going to make another run at Harden next year. Uh, other year older, you know, like, yeah, I don't like it. I don't listen. Yeah, I don't hate. I don't like it. I don't hate it. I just, I don't know that getting a player in what what will Harden be next year, mid thirties. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's. Look at the Lakers. You know, like are the Lakers really contending for a championship this year? They're very old. I mean, yeah, Westbrook. I mean. LeBron is old. Yeah. You know, like Westbrook is not a young man anymore. And, and look, I'm not saying these guys can't play. But when you get when you get older, as someone in their 40s, <laughs> when you get older, when and you see it in players, when the season wears on, like you might be great for a little while. When the season wears on, those little nagging injuries start. Yeah. You know? And when you get into the playoffs... It's hard to, you know, when you've got a lot of back-to-backs and games crammed in for an older player to keep it up with older other older players. It's one thing if they can lean on some youth, you know, to help get them through. It's tough when your whole the 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 nucleus of your team is, in, you know, in their mid 30s. I just don't know that they're going to get Lillard or Beal. I just don't know that's no, going to happen. Pro- no, they won't. I I think Lillard possibly might be done for the year. He just he had surgery. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. I just I just don't think it's happening. I mean, I'd no. love to have Bradley Beal. You know, I you know I'd be very happy with. I just don't think it's happening. No, know? I don't and, think so either. Um. I don't know what pieces are actually going to be on the move. So I don't even know what the market would be if you're going to be able to get a player better than Harden either. You know, like right. 
And that's kind of where I, why I say I don't hate it. He At least he could shoot, you know. I just, again, older players, when you get late into the season, when you want to make deep playoff runs, it's tough. You know, it's tough. That being said, he also said right now as it's constituted, well, what did he said? You don't want to make a move to take yourself from the sixth seed to the fourth seed and really not make much of a difference. You know, not make be make make a championship run. But he also mm-hmm. said, I think the team as it's constituted is capable of making a championship run. Uh, he, some guys like Tobias is not having the greatest of years right now. No, I I wonder when we look back on these years and guys who had COVID really bad and some guys getting back faster and other guys are taking a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I want to see the long term, you know, like I want to see how much it affects some people. Because um, we see a little bit of it in hockey where some guys got it pretty bad and it's taken like a couple months to get back to their game. Joel got back to his game before before Tobias, mm-hmm. but he plays it, you know, he, it, it's different, you know, it's just different. So I, I, I don't know that Tobias is a, is a two on, on a championship team. I think he's a third on a championship team. Probably. Yeah. You know, like, I think he's a very nice player. This is not me. You know, I don't think the guy stinks. Um, no, he doesn't stink. No, I just but... think that his role is a bit outsized right now and it highlights his deficiencies. Um, I'm not saying he's got to go somewhere. I just think it at high when you don't have another big time player, it 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 highlights those things. Yeah, you know? I, I like. Um, I think Maxie's developing pretty well. You know, still young guy. You know, this is a big step forward this year compared yeah. to last year, and you know, looks like a nice player. Matisse is is improving. Mm-hmm. Um, with the extra minutes, you were hoping that you'd see that. I'd still like to see the three, you know, the three ball get a little bit better. Um, but in the dunker spot, he's been really good and he's an excellent defender, you know. Um, it's those other role players then. You know, Curry has his nights where he's, you know. Yeah, where he's like on fire. Yeah, right? where he's lights out. Um, his defense isn't great. It's not terrible, but it's not great um Mm -hmm. and danny green is injured again yeah you know his he's hitting the twilight of his career for sure so uh in the grand scheme of things they are probably going to end up being like a six seed and we'll see but in basketball six seeds usually don't go far you know like this isn't the nba or the nfl or the nhl um typically it's like one or two seed um, that get it done. No further than a four. No. So. Um, that being said, like who in the East should scare you? Still Brooklyn? Possibly. I mean, yeah. Miami doesn't scare you. The Bucks. Milwaukee's, yeah, Milwaukee's a good team still. Yeah. I'm not, you know, like um, I would say the Bucks, yeah, probably the Bucks. So, in the grand scheme of things, you're still not looking like you're you you're completely out of it. So, we'll see, we'll see what 
ends up happening. He also said something effective like things really heat up at the deadline, you know, um, or towards the deadline. So we'll see. Um, on a last fun note, I would expect that Giroux is on the move at some point approaching the deadline. When is um, the NHL deadline? Like February? Well, you have the All-Star. Yeah, you have the break coming up soon. We're almost to the midpoint of the season, even though I feel like it's it's been five seasons long. Um, <laughs> um, but So the players are not going to the, the Olympics. Olymp- but they're still in Olympic break. I Oh, I was under the assumption they were using this Oh, to read to Olympic fill it in. break to make up. They like, just released. Games. You know what? You're right. They just released that schedule. So, like, my brain hasn't caught up to that. <laughs> uh, so, March twenty first. Why they weren't going, or just because of COVID reasons? Well, basically, remember there was the risk uh, with the way it's been spreading in different countries. Everybody having different rules. Mm-hmm. It became a risk about being stuck somewhere or not being able to get back into, like, Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they have much stricter rules than the states do. So, um, I know a lot of the players were upset about it. But it really came down to, like, getting there and then getting back and quarantine rules and Canada's rules. Because, you know, like, we're cowboys here in the United States. have been pretty loose with covid rules yeah and i think like in well at the olympics in china like they're really really like strict right now um so so i just think that there were like a there were a few reasons why they well let me ask you this so i don't know this like what are they doing for hockey then uh you're gonna get a a lot of like collegiate players okay um Collegiate players, former NHLers, I think, are, are going. Like, they're still going to have hockey. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that, and like, they would let the World Junior players play. <laughs> you know, like, um, to give those kids a chance to, to like but, be on the world stage a bit. Like, yeah, hell yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Um, but not happening. So I expect the Flyers to, like, I expect him to move his no-trade clause because I do believe after, it's the last year of his contract, and I do believe they trade him as a rental someplace. He can go contend for a cup, and I believe he's coming back. Really? Yeah, yeah. Why? He wants to be here. Okay. He wants to be here. I think he's going to take a pay cut. He's obviously not going to make $8 million anymore. Mm-hmm. But he wants to be here. I think he likes having his family here. I, th- you know, like he he likes the organization, I guess. But he wants to be here. Like there was talk that he wasn't even going to waive his no trade clause. I think he will. And I think what's gross is we're going to end up trading him to like Boston or the Rangers, um, and we might see him, you know, make a cup run with a with a rival. Mm. Um, that being said. You know, they're going to get something nice back um, because he's probably going to be the best player, like rental player available. So first round pick. They should get a first plus. Okay. To to be honest, they might get a first plus prospect plus maybe mid round pick. 
depending on what the market looks like. But there's going to be buyers. And again, like I said, he's probably going to be the – like he's still producing. At 34 years old, he's still producing. He's yeah, probably he's a good gonna, player. He's, just, he's a good player on a bad team. Yeah. He for beat, a team that's been a bad yeah. franchise for a decade, you know. Like, I, I mean, if you're a team that's making some sort of run, like, hell yeah, I, I want him, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so um, I expect him to get moved. Uh, the the you know, get some get some picks, maybe a prospect, and then you'll you'll see where you're at. You know, for for the organization, I hope they get a top five pick. Um, I doubt they're going to get to one, um, and I doubt they'll get what the one number one pick next year. Um, that being said, um, and a top five pick, you should get a nice player. You know, when you're not drafting Nolan Patrick, um, and we'll see. Hmm. We'll see. Um, there's some. There's some. This year's draft is a little bit easier than last year's draft, which is why they were, that. Which is why they were um, comfortable moving the first round pick for Ristolainen because it was a draft where like a lot of teams weren't playing, so like scouting was really difficult. Um, so it just was a draft where that those picks weren't considered as valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, this different you know there are people are playing yeah well and there's just there's some nice players you know the kid going one you know the comp sort of patrice bergeron there's are some big shoes to fill but you know there wasn't really someone with that comp last year you know Mm -hmm. um there's there's a there's a russian kid that they're talking about has an ovechkin like shot you know (laughs) um so there's some players out there with some hype there's also an American kid from the U.S. national development team, um, Seamus, I forget what his last name is, but again, they're comping his skating ability to McCars. You know, like, there's some players out there um, that getting an extra first-round pick, if you get, especially if you get a top five, and then you get an, another first-round pick on top of it, w- will help you with this. I don't think they're going to go process. You know, I don't think they're going to go full rebuild. But I think that they're going to be comfortable if there's people that kick tires on some players on longer contracts. I think they're going to move them. You know, like I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be totally surprised if you saw probably not Couturier or Hayes. Like those contracts aren't that movable. Mm-hmm. But um, I doubt they would deal Farabee. But they might listen to offers for Frost. You know, like they might listen to offers for players that you wouldn't expect. What about uh, Ivan? Um, <coughs> Elliot Friedman reported. Today, I'm guessing. Yes, so, yeah, um, Provorov. Elliot Friedman did report that the team would be interested in entertaining offers. I think Provorov, he's an interesting player because I think he's a, I think he's a, a top-pairing defenseman. I just think he's a 1B and I think when he doesn't have a partner that he trusts, he plays the game way too tight, and he's ba- he's not good, you know. Like, and um, he doesn't elevate the other player on his line. He needs someone who's already, you know, he's not going to yeah, make another yeah. player better, you know. Got it. Um, yeah. That doesn't make him a bad player. It just he plays the game tight and he makes a lot of mistakes if he doesn't have a one A with him. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, but I don't think they're going to go full rebuild. I just don't think it's in the organization's DNA. And I, I, I'm conflicted because I think that we've sat through a failed retool and it's now been 10 years of mediocre or worse. And I just want fucking change, you know? I just yeah. I mean, it's, I just want change. It, it, this season is just, it's unacceptable. Two years in a row so where, they're, where they're out before halfway through the season. It's unacceptable from I mean, a franchise they, they, that yeah. other than now is in top five in ticket sales. It's unacceptable. I mean, they've had 10 straight losses, and now I think they're on an eight or They're about to go, losses. yeah, they're yeah. about to have two separate 10-game losing streaks. Yeah, I mean, it's horrible. It's just, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. There's no other really way to put it. For a franchise, again, I know that there's... Um, there's things to be said about what they did in the 90s, but this is a team that always made the fuck. They were not afraid to make the big fucking move. Never, uh, never. And yeah. now you just don't see it. And I'm tired, honestly, Ed. I'm tired of hearing about like, oh, you know, we were getting out from bad contracts, or oh, you know, like what? Like, you can't tell me that other franchises don't find ways to get out of contracts. You know, like that every that that. The the Penguins only sign good contracts. I don't buy. Right. <laughs> I don't yeah. buy it. And I know that they have a generational player and another player who's probably a Hall of Famer. Like I'm not. That's not lost on me. That being said, you can't tell me that they haven't made ba- a bad a bad deal. Somehow they figure out a way to maneuver it. And the fact that the Flyers have not been able to for over ten years, it's bullshit. There's no mm-hmm. other. It's bullshit, and I'm tired of hearing it. You know, I, I'm just, this is, this is a team that I love, you know, and they've made me not care. Yeah. And that's, that's horrible to like basically alienate your core fan. You know, no, I've been going to a lot of games every year Spend since, money. We, since no, we were yeah. teenagers. Yeah. You know, like. And I, yeah, I, I've I've said it on this podcast before. the The day I kind of started losing a lot of interest was when the Penguins started winning a lot. Like that's I hated that team so much, and for the Flyers to not win a cup before the Penguins just. Like, lit, like, really turned me off. And I say it partially tongue-in-cheek, but, like, watch. Next year, the Penguins will have a bad season and somehow magically get the number yeah, one pick. You're not wrong, man. Like, for, another, yeah. for another Hall of Fame player. You yeah. know, Connor Bedard. What happened? Connor Bedard looks like, an, you know, he's, he's in the pedigree of uh, McDavid and, um, you know, he's in some high... Highest team right now, being 16, getting a hat trick at World Juniors. You know, not many 16, 16 year olds make Team let, Canada. Like, so let me get is because I saw a statistic like not many 16 year olds do that. 
Not many six- I know McDavid's it, one of them, right? Yeah, like Gretzky. Is Lindros one of them? Lindros. So there's a list of 16-year-olds that make the team at all. Lindros is one of the 16. There's only like okay. the list of 16-year-olds that make it. It's a list of Hall of Famers. You know, <laughs> I mean, and right. McDavid because he's too young to really be in that conversation just yet. But it's it's a pretty like pretty well regarded list of players. You know, like mm-hmm. so to be at 16 to have a hat trick. It, at as 16 years old be really impressive before the tournament got shut down like i i just feel like you know like i'm gonna say it as a philadelphian and i get it but when the penguins don't play well the team doesn't sell tickets where that's not true with the flyers and i feel like they've been gifted now i'm not saying that when you're guaranteed when you get a pick you're guaranteed to knock it out of the park but they've been gifted Lemieux and Yager and Crosby and Ovechkin. And the Flyers have picked number one in the history of the franchise one time. You know, and um, even being in the top five is not that common for for the Flyers franchise. Right. And, um, and I get that it's not guaranteed because look at Edmonton. They've had a lot of top number one picks. It has not. It took a long time for their franchise to get turned around. Look at how many top picks the Sixers had before they nailed it with Embiid. You know, like I'm not saying a number one pick guarantees it. I'm just saying Definitely like doesn't. Yeah. Players of McDavid, Crosby, ceilings don't come out every year. You know, they are they are once a decade or once every seven year. And it just, I just, and, or Lemieux, you know, like, or Lemieux, or, you know, like, and I just feel like when they're, like, so twice it's happened in a, in a, in a small market. Pittsburgh is not a tiny city, but it is not a large market city. So for it to happen, I just feel like that franchise gets propped up, you know, like, and they're looking to sell. That franchise is looking to sell again, you know, um, why why does this happen and the one time the flyers got a franchise player in our lifetime you know it was they had to make a trade and give up everything for him i know um you know so but it, and it but it was like a special time here during that like there was so were much computer. focus on the team i mean i don't know if i'm being biased because i was just such a huge fan like live breathed hockey at that age um but like i don't know there was just i felt like there was so much energy involved like definitely having that type of player makes a big difference absolutely it does and they were a contender year in year out they were in the stanley cup conversation basically by what lindross's Second year, third year, they were in the cup conversation year in and year out. And they made, like, they did make smart choices. Like, they they made really good trade. I forget who they trade. It might have been Mark Recchi, but they Recchi, got... Le- Leclerc and Desjardins. And Leclerc, yeah. right? Yep. I mean... Those players were here. Those players were here for a long time. Yep. You know, and um, yeah, it's just 
there are a lot there are a couple things wrong with the organization now and and i don't want to spend too much time just just talking flyers another problem with the organization is they're not doing a good job at developing players either you know like so not just are the picks not that good but they're not developing players like why are we having two straight down years of Konechny? Is he not good? He goes from an all-star to all of a sudden he's not good enough. You know, what's going on there? Um, yeah. And other players that get slated to start in the AHL, like, and coming up, like, you look, we're seeing with Morgan Frost, you know, he was great in juniors. All of a sudden his development is stalled. Um, is that that player's fault? It, I just feel like, and defensemen, forget it. We don't develop defensemen in Philadelphia. We trade for him well. But we don't develop them there very well. Um, so there's a lot of problems in the organization right now um, and why they're ineffective. But one of the main ones is is like, you know, they they didn't draft as well as maybe we thought that they did. And they, they just, we gave them a lot of patience when we said, all right, we know we're going to have to deal with some pain, shed some contracts to rebuild the farm. And it didn't happen. And when you get that patience, and that, right, we gave the Sixers a lot of patience. We did, and they're a contender year in year out now. You know, um, when you when a team earned gets patience and then doesn't do well, now what? Are they the Sabers now? You know, where they're yeah. never going to dig out. Is that right. what they are now? That's what it feels like. You know, and that's an embarrassment for a good fan base. And I like don't get me wrong. I think our fan base, half of them, have bro, uh, you know, like broken brains. Um, <laughs> you know, they either love our talent. It's like they either love players who are like role players and nothing more, or they hate everybody. You know, like and there's, it, it, you know, it's a weird fan base. That being said, they show the hell up and they care. Mm-hmm. And that's an embarrassment. That's an embarrassment for what. Is and shouldn't be a good hockey city. Philadelphia should not be a good hockey city. I mean, it's a great hockey city. That's that's the problem. But on paper, it shouldn't be. Right. You know, like on paper, it shouldn't be, but it is. It's not like we're, you know, like our winners are a little cold, I guess. But like we're not a cold market. We don't have like a big. I mean, we are, I guess, in Jersey especially is is has like a big youth program, but like. We're not Minnesota, you know. We're not, um, a, a, a like we're going to show up to minor league games or or. Well, I mean, let's face it. They had success early, and that is why this is a hockey town. You know. Like, well, yeah. If they weren't good in this in the seventies, absolutely, you're correct. Like, who knows if it would have taken off? Yeah, taken off. Um. But you have this huge amount of success and following, and um, they were good in the eighties as well. You know, like when, when they challenged Edmonton in the in Stanley Cup Finals twice. I mean, yeah, they they uh, yeah, in the eighties they were a great team. You're right, and like, then the mid nineties, they ran into like a buzzsaw, right? Well, they ran. Um, Possibly the best team to ever be assembled, right. you know, and they still took them to seven games, you know, like we forget, I guess maybe because it's a little bit before our time, um, while we were alive, we were pretty young, um, but those were probably the best teams to ever be assembled, you know, um, and then they, they were bad in the early nineties, 
and then mm-hmm. were great in the mid to late nineties, all the way through the early two thousands. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I know we don't want to spend too much time <laughs> flyers, but I, I, you tell me like, did it all kind of change when a salary cap was installed? That's part of it. It's part of it, but I think that basically here's the couple things where it crashed. Is they lose that 2010 uh, Mm -hmm. cup final to Chicago. They decide we've taken Richards and Carter as far as we're going to go. We're going to move those guys. Mm -hmm. And we're going to give Brisgalov a ton of money. On top of that, we traded for Chris Pronger, and now his career's over. Mm-hmm. Those things are a good chunk of the reason why they are the where they are. But remember, that's twelve years ago now, eleven years ago. Mm-hmm. But those things are a good right because, like, look at the players when you trade at Richards and Carter that form the nucleus of your next team: Voracek, Wayne Simmons. You know, like, those are the guys that were brought in. And not that they were bad players, but you traded away two guys that were, you know, it was a captain mm-hmm. um, and a, another guy who could score goals. Jeff Jeff Carter's still playing. You yeah, know? he scored a lot of goals, yeah. Yeah. So part part of where they are why they are the way where they are and why it's been so long of mediocrity are those things the Carter Richards moves right because you part of that you bring in Braden Shen and then you trade Braden Shen you know like and because you bring bring in Braden Shen that you then you sign Luke Shen and it, it's just like it, it, a lot of moves that like yes the cat they behaved as if like they could still behave in you know the mid 90s where they could you know, just make any move that they wanted in a league that went to like, you really need to draft well. Um, And part of it is just like, they made a lot of really bad moves. Yeah. After that 2010, they paid for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the moves that they made after that were just like you were in quicksand. You could only get so good. That Briscoff deal, you know, was a killer, yeah. Well, I mean, they're still paying them. Especially when you had a talented goalie on, on your roster at the time, right? Yeah, who then asked to be traded. You know, like, um, they bring in Briskalov and Bob Bobrovsky asks for a trade because he sees the writing in the wall. He's not going to yeah. get a starting job. Um, but I don't know... That those teams, even if you kept Bob and didn't bring in Brzgalov, you know, maybe you have the money to make other moves, but I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know that they, the ability would, you know, they haven't done a good job at building a team. So our, uh, our other, what are we calling this? Our C story. This would be our C's, right? Sixers were A, the Flyers were B, the C would be um, entertainment. Yeah. So we, so, when we went off yeah. last time, we talked about rewatching Marvel movies in chronological order. 
because one thing that you really like that Marvel has done that Star Wars has not done is a good job at telling you a story and bringing characters in well. Yeah, um, so they'll they'll tell like they'll give you an, an origin story and then a, they may do a couple origin story and then they'll have a movie where these characters meet and the story starts to like unfold. So the first movie chronologically in the MCU is uh, Captain America. Um, so Captain America, um, the, the first, first Avenger, Avenger. Yeah. the first Avenger. Um, you know, it starts with Steve Rogers as a runt kid and blessed the CGI people um, <laughs> for what they were able to do with Chris Evans, not the running back for the Bengals. Um <laughs> But uh, bless what they were able to do. But you get this story as to why Ka- uh, Steve Rogers was chosen to be Captain America. You also get an origin story for Bucky Barnes, who ends up becoming the Winter Soldier. Um, so uh, Peggy Carter, which I believe they Agent did a- the series, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Agent Carter. Um, you get young. Um, young uh mr stark mm-hmm. yep um but you don't get any hank pym that's a story they bring on la- la- later right they yes they like pym and stark kind of like ran in the same circles uh, they're kind of like yeah edison kind of like Te- a war effort at the time right yeah but they're kind of like edison and tesla where like they're both tr- developing technology and they're like kind of frenemies you know like mm-hmm. they're competing with each other um so th- this movie so like it, yeah it, you're right so it starts out really almost in a flash forward where you know you have this team of people digging like in antarctica basically and you see the captain america shield you know um yeah a little frozen, bit frozen little, in ice. little titanic-y yeah <laughs> it was a little <laughs> titanic-y yeah frozen in ice yes and then you like you said like then it you see this like runt kid who doesn't get into the military and um you kind of see the first of um, his like signature line, like I can do this all day. Like he gets in a fight with, I guess, like a bully. He's getting beat up as a run. Um, Bucky kind of saves his ass, um, and then I believe we we start to see like the villain in the movie. Which is uh, Hugo Weaving, right? Um, as comes the Red, Red Skull. Yeah, comes yeah. Red Skull. So it's Hydra, but it's really like what the the Nazis, right? It's like Nazi Hydra. Germany, but yeah. Hydra is kind of like the scientific arm, right? Of of um, of the Third Reich, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and we talked a little bit about it off air. 
I felt like um, this is a movie, and obviously it's not similar in ways, but I felt like it. Fe- it feels like to me a lot like Full Metal Jacket, where like the beginning part of the movie gives you so much and and drags you in so well, but when you get past like kind of the climax of the story, it doesn't hold you as much. You know, like you could almost watch the first half of the movie and be satisfied. So, uh, admittedly, this is not one of my favorite MCU movies. Like, I think when we did kind of a we we did some superhero stuff we last ranked, yeah off season. This wasn't in it, um, and I was never the biggest like Captain America fan. I, I've recently started to like appreciate it the character a a bit but when this movie came out and just even doing a bit of a rewatch it's really not my favorite of characters um so but like as a as a and it's interesting to see how like things like like i mentioned before about like where star wars gets it wrong like so like in this movie the Red Skull is looking for the Tesseract, this like energy cube that has one of the the um, stones in it, which then ties into like many other movies that are going to come about in in the uh, Marvel comic universe. Yeah, and so it's great for later, but in this movie, that like finding that and then then making the weapons from it is like it just doesn't work. You know, like, while it's good storytelling because you've got a lot of movies to go, you Mm -hmm. know, like, um, in that regard, in this one, it's part of where, again, like, where I feel like it falls apart when you've got these, like, laser tanks, you know, basically using the power of the the Tesseract, um, Mm -hmm. the Infinity Stone. Um, It makes it difficult. So one of the things, again, that you and I talked about is, like, when they choose... To, to, to backtrack a little bit, because this is around where you get to the climax, is when they choose Steve Rogers to become Captain America, there's like two two things that kind of bring that choice about. Um, and one of them was they have this contest, and it's like if you are able to get the flag down, you can ride back in the Jeep rather than having to run back, right? Like mm-hmm. that's... Um, and they're all trying to climb to get the flag and Steve Rogers takes the pin out of the pole and then walks up and gets it. And it just, it reminded me of one of these things. Like, so it's not uncommon, I guess, in stories, cause I was just watching Cobra Kai and it's not uncommon to have these like out of the box solution problems. And when, when you're having a, like, you're trying out for something or whatever. Like I is the person I'm going to show you a problem and to solve it, you can't take it literally, you know, like, so in that it was like, kick the pot off of the pole. And it basically like all the people were trying to jump, kick it off. And one guy just kicked the pole and the pot fell, you know, and it was kind of like the same exact thing, but it's also a pretty normal trope. Right. (laughs) You know, like it reminded me of like, when I was in college and we had this like 
class and it was like our professor gave us like all of these things and it was like it was like a leadership class and it was like here's these problems but like you're gonna you're gonna try and take the straightforward choice when there are very easy solutions that aren't straightforward Mm -hmm. so like it just always reminded me of that of like if you've never kind of been shown or given those kind of problems it's easy to get bogged down in the literal part you know of solving a problem yeah and so that's one and then the other the other thing that makes them choose who's going to get this super soldier serum is him diving on like what they what everybody thinks is a live grenade right so part of the whole captain america I, I, his character is like this, like moral person that, like, kind of like will will do anything for, I guess, his team, and that is why he's chosen for the super soldier serum. So yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this is like one of the weaker entries. Mm-hmm. In the MCU, um, I mean, and I would go so far as to call it bad. It's close to being bad. You're right. Um, couple cool parts, like yeah, when he does become Captain America and he gets the shield. Like I thought it was really cool, like scene where he's like chasing down. Uh, this enemy and that part is like all pretty cool. Um, love the shield. Uh, that I mean, to me, like I hate, see, like it's weird. Cause like, I never appreciated the character. And then like, I started, pre- cause like when I watched um, Falcon and the winter soldier, like the shield was always like, that was like a character in itself. Right. So, um, so like you and I, Ed, had we have we fundamentally disagree on mm-hmm. like you know, I believe that the Avengers story, um, like Captain America is like this the the leader kind of, of that and you are a, a Tony Stark uh, yeah. Iron Man guy. And as someone who like I think that Falcon or not Falcon, I think that the Winter Soldier, the Captain America Winter Soldier, and um, Civil War are like two of my favorite of the MCU right. movies. You know, like I just think that this movie, like there are again, there are some redeeming parts, and it is necessary in getting to where we need to go. But overall, like for someone that is like a Captain America guy in the MCU, you know, like we both kind of were. When it comes to comic books, I think we both kind of were more X-Men people. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of this, this the comic books and, and whatnot, or in terms of the MCU and not comic books, because uh, but anyway, different conversation for a different day. Mm-hmm. This is one of the weakest of them all. And as someone who's a Captain America person, you know, like, it doesn't bring me any joy to say that, you know, it is. Yeah, and uh, when we talk about, like, yeah, like, you're comparing 
characters. I, I wonder if it's a bit of that, like that Captain America is kind of like this, kind of like a goody two shoe type of a character, and then like Tony Stark is like this cool dude. Like it, it's just like, yeah, I see where, yeah, I, I see why you think that, and I I do agree. Um. And it's weird, like, I never think of Civil War as a Captain America movie, like... But that is what it falls under. It is. Um, but it's an Avengers movie. Really. It is an Avengers movie. That's what I always thought, you know? Um, but but like you said, like, they, they must have learned something or whatever, because, like, the Winter Soldier is excellent. Well... Like, really good, you know? I, I also feel like when you get to Winter Soldier and you get to Civil War, you get more moral dilemma, mm -hmm. right? And maybe, like, I think it's actually more difficult than we give it credit for to just have a good versus evil story and have it be good, right? Like, that's why Gladiator with Russell Crowe is so good. Because it is tough to have a movie where there's a clear-cut, quote-unquote, good guy and a clear-cut, quote-unquote, bad guy and have it be compelling and not a story we've heard a million times. And I, think, I, I just think that's where Captain America falls apart here and why Winter Soldier and Civil War are so much better because there's more moral dilemma, you know, mm -hmm. um, especially with Civil War. Tony Stark, in terms of moral, is more right than Steve Rogers when it comes, and we'll talk about more when it comes to Civil War. But, but you can see where Steve Rogers is coming from, what he's fighting for there with trying to get redemption for Bucky, right? Mm -hmm. But that's what makes that character so much more compelling than in First Avenger. He also, like you can see when you're talking about that, like being American, like he doesn't want to give up his rights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, um, but what, what do you, what do you think about the villain in this movie though? I, just, I mean, again, I feel like it's an appropriate villain to have for like this origin story. Like obviously, yeah, like it's a, a big character, like, because I, I'm pretty sure, like, the history of Captain America, yeah, it started around... It was punching Nazis. Yeah, exactly. So, a, a really appropriate villain to have for, like, your origin story. Yeah, you know? it, it is. It's just one of those things where um, the villain is, like, on paper fine, you know, um, I just, again, it's like when you get to this point of like, uh, of the laser tanks, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Red Skull is a perfectly fine villain. And, uh, who's the other, um, Han, is it Hans that ends up being the computer program later on? Yeah. Like, they're fine as villains, you know, they work. But the story itself just really it crumbles. It crumbles mm -hmm. at a certain point, and um, 
I don't know, you know, like I, I just don't know, like I can't put my finger on exactly where it just, you lose it, but it just gets to a point of cheese, you know. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, it we does. It. Um, so, yeah, then you have this. So he becomes Captain America. Then he's kind of thrown out there as like propaganda now, right? Like, and only propaganda, and only propaganda. Um, until you know he he starts, you know, fighting the Red Skull, and they, you know, of course they have their battle and. Um, the Red Skulls and and kind of like it, it, it almost looks like um, what do they call this? Like a stealth bomber, right? Like the predecessor to the stealth bomber. I, I guess, yeah. I yeah. mean, you're dealing with this like past with very future weapons. It just, I don't know. Um, and. Captain America at towards the end at the end of the movie because the Red Skull is trying to basically take the weapon he has to blow up New York City. Captain America lands this plane into the Arctic to cut save the day, right? That's where that flash forward in the beginning comes to where um, they're finding the heart of the sea. Basically, yeah. There's an old lady <laughs> talking about her one night stand. Uh, yes, exactly. With Jack Dawson. Yeah. <laughs> and they, because the Tesseract is like this energy cube, like unlimited energy. Um, and that's where they find Captain America buried in ice and the super soldier serum kept them alive that for 70 plus years. Yep. So, I mean, again, um, I will say Chris but... Evans is a, is, is a good Captain America, you know, like, yeah, the, the right isn't... choice for the character. Yeah. And look, it didn't make us stop watching, mm-hmm. you know, I just out of, there's a lot of movies in this, um, universe, whatever you want to say, uh, however we want to phrase it. This just is one of the less strong ones, you know, like, for sure. I mean, again, I would, I would probably put it in the bad category. Um, but again, it, that doesn't mean it can be bad and still have redeeming qualities, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, is it Independence Day bad? No, 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 no. Right. Exactly. You're so, right. Like, you know, it, it is. I don't know if it's the the propping or or what. Like, there's a bit of yeah, like cheesiness to it for some reason, for yes. sure. Um, and I will say, the next movie chronologically, I think, is a weak movie. So, which is uh, Captain Marvel. So, um. To me, it, it's two week chronologically movies in a row until we get to, and we'll talk about it 
next week what the third movie is. Um, let me just double check that we're correct. So actually, wait. I just want to make sure we're we're setting up our. It's Captain America because then it happened Captain, in the forties, yeah. and then Captain the 90s, Marvel was like in the eighties, I believe. Eighties, nineties, yeah. yeah. Um, and then it would okay. So that Captain Marvel would be our next rewatch. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't want to get too far off into Captain Marvel, but. It's tough when you're dealing with like space creatures, you know, again, to not get lost in some stuff. But we'll rewatch and, and we can discuss those things. So mm-hmm. that'll be our rewatch for next week. We'll be back to talk more about how bad the Flyers are. Um, hopefully they've moved Ben Simmons by next recording, but I doubt it. Um, and Probably we'll t- not. I mean, I think trade deadline is sometime in February. Yeah. So. Probably like we'll start maybe with top five quarterbacks, you know, something easy, light, and um, mm-hmm. we can we can pile through pretty fast. So we got a lot to cover next week. We covered a lot today, but yeah, we'll be back next week. All right.